Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. All right, all right. Well, good morning, New Life Church. You guys thankful to be here? We have uh, one of the things that I absolutely love as a campus that we get the opportunity to do is anytime we have a baby dedication. And I believe we have one this morning. Is the family here? Yes, come on up. Come on up. You know, with baby dedication, um, it would actually be better described as parent dedication. Um, you see, it's not a salvation moment for this child or these children. I'm going to help you out, Mom. Now, this is the family taking a stance and saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to make it a priority to raise our family with a biblical foundation, with God first and ahead of everything else. And, you know, the world would like to tell us that our routine and, and our rhythm should be one way. But the Word of God tells us, and, and it's very clear with us, that you are to put God first in your family, ahead of everything else, and then each other, and then your children. And if we'll keep this rhythm in life, if we'll remember to keep God at the center and the forefront of everything that we do, then everything else is going to work itself out. But that's priority. That's important. You know, that when you leave the hospital, you're like, where's the instruction manuals, right? We have to figure this stuff out on our own sometimes, right? But God actually gave us an instruction manual. It's through his word. And if we will focus on what the word tells us about being a Christian-based family and a Christian-based home, He'll take care of us. Amen? So I'm going to give you a microphone this morning. Is this working? Hey, it is working. I'm going to let you introduce everyone today and who we're dedicating. Hi, we are the Taps. I'm Joel. This is Carly. This is Crosby. And this is Willa. Awesome. That is a cool name, isn't it? Church, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you agree to pray with this family and pray with this family, would you say amen this morning? I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to please stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to stretch your arms out, and we're going to pray over this family as, as they dedicate their children this morning. Father God, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing here. God, I thank you this family is making a decision to put you at the front and the foremost of their home, of their relationship, but most importantly in the way that they raise their children. So, God, I pray that when, when discouragement comes before them, Father, that they are reminded that you're the one that's in control, not the world. So, Father, I'm asking right now that you be with this family, that you're always the center of this family, and we dedicate these children to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. Can we give it up for this family this morning? We got, uh, he's going to help you down here. You know, we really thought we could get some steeper steps one time, but we, we couldn't. <clears throat> we couldn't. How many of you guys, um, let's be honest, how many of you are completely finished Christmas shopping already? Ah, you people, y'all are crazy. <laughs> All right, how many of you, be honest, how many of you didn't know it was three weeks to Christmas until I just said this? <laughs> There's my people. There's my people right there. I walked in this morning, I thought, oh yeah, it's Christmas. I really need to start Christmas shopping at some point in time. I, I do want to take just a second before we get started, though, just to honor some people. You know, when you left here last weekend, the campus didn't look like this, did it? So there are several people that spent a lot of time, day and night, um, decorating and putting together the church this morning, our install team. Christy Thompson. Christy, would you stand up really quick? 
Um, um, if you haven't met Christy, you haven't walked through the front door. Um, yeah, we, she, she greets you in the parking lot, and we ensure you that not everybody's as crazy as her when you get in the foyer. No, I'm just kidding. We're so thankful for you, and um, we're, we're so thankful for you. And the way that you have such a servant's heart and the way that you pour out and um, the people that stood beside Tasha, Leslie, Shelly, so many of you guys um, made it a priority this week to take time out of your schedule. How many of you are busy right now? I mean, there's a couple busy people in the room, right? I mean, we're all busy, but you guys made it a priority to, uh, to install Christmas this week, and I'm excited. How many of you are ready for our candlelight services? About half of you. Okay, that's good. Well... Really made an impact last year, didn't we? Now, hey, um, Byron hit on it really quick. Listen, this is, this is important. I want you to get this for me. Candlelight is designed completely as a way for you to invite your friends and your family that are not connected to church. Everything that we do, from, from the sets, from the worship sets that we put together, from the amount of services that we have, uh, we, we've provided as many opportunities as we possibly can to make sure that you guys can invite a friend. You know, we, we, almost, um, we almost make it too easy. But I believe it's important. How many of you, if, if you're honest, and don't raise your hand, but think about it. Somebody, you know somebody that you know could use a relationship or a life-giving church or to get to know Jesus or to have somebody in their life. We all do. But I want to say this, um, we've tried to make it as easy as we can. That is actually a postcard that's in your seat. And if you carry that home with you, take one with you, get some extras. But if you know somebody, maybe you don't, maybe you don't know their address, maybe you need to take it home and look it up. Um, invite them to church. Invite them to Candlelight. It's hassle-free. We'll make sure that Christy doesn't tackle anybody in the parking lot. Um, but maybe, maybe. But we've got... Um, several services. We've got four services this year for candlelight. We're going to start on the um, 22nd at 7 p.m. We'll have one service at 7 p.m. on the 22nd. We'll have another service at 7 p.m. on the 23rd, and then we'll have two services on Christmas Eve, uh, 10.30 10.30 and 1 o'clock. So we try to do that so you guys can get back home, get ready um, for family that's coming over, and also allows our team to get home and, and settle in as well. But I'm excited. I, I believe that um, I believe we're going to have one of the most special candlelight services we've we've ever had this year. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's hard to believe that we're narrowing the end of 2022. Um, last year, at our um, pastors' um, retreat, it was actually December of last year, about this time. My wife stood up and she said, "I believe." that 2022 is going to be the year of the Lord's favor on our church. And one of these days, I learned to listen to my wife. Uh, y'all don't tell her I said that. I think she's back there working with Chael Check-In right now. We're doing a transition. Um, but as I, I was preparing for this weekend, I started looking back and, and praying about everything that God has done. And I'm going to tell you this. 2022 has been the year of the Lord's favor on our campus. It really has. And... Um, I, I, let me just give you, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You know, in 2021, we had 20 life groups for the year. This year, we've had a total of 50 life groups. We had a 50% increase from our spring semester to our fall semester in just life groups alone. 
That's people getting connected, people growing in their relationship with the Lord. Baby dedications. We've had more baby dedications this year than we've had for like the last three years combined. Our water baptisms. In 2021, we had 16 water baptisms, and that's exciting. That's powerful. We'll have our 49th water baptism next weekend. Just this year. 49. Take our halftime ministry, for, for example. You know, we went from around 60 to 62 kids in, that were coming on Sunday nights when we were doing life groups just on Sunday nights. Well, we started praying about that, and we felt, felt God telling us to, to make a shift in that. And by doing that, we went from around 60 to 62 kids on a Sunday night to over 120 kids on Wednesday nights. They're coming together. And they're not just, it's not just babysitting. They're not just watching your kids. They're teaching your kids the Word of God. They're growing. We had five students this past week that stood in front of their peers and quoted every book of the Bible. Every book of the Bible. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's where we want to grow with our children. Because I'm going to tell you this, the enemy's fighting really hard for your kids. But as a church, we're going to fight harder. Amen? I mean, it's powerful. Our thanks-serving outreach. You know, this, this last thanks-serving outreach, or a year ago for our thanks-serving outreach, um, we, had a, we had a great one. We had 100, roughly 150 families that got meals, boxes of meals. Not people, but 150 families. That's, that's huge. That's thanks to you guys. This year, we had 300 families that received food. Thanksgiving. Families. Now, each box will feed around six to eight people. 300. Last year, for our, our Christmas mall, is coming up. Last year, our Christmas mall, we had around 176 kids that were impacted by that Christmas mall. This year, we're targeting 350 kids. 350 kids right here out of this, out of this four year. Yes. But listen to me. It's not us, and it's not even you. It's because God has his hand upon us, and because he's working through this church, and he's working through you guys. He is. Do you know there was a Barna study that was conducted this year, 2022, that says the church outgave the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. The church did. That's our call. That's what God has challenged us to do, is to reach the lost, to feed the hungry, to be there for one another. You know, six times throughout Scripture we read that God has provided a double portion. Now, all six times, they're not all good blessings, though, right? But I do believe this. I believe that God has poured out a double portion of blessing upon our campus. And I believe this, too, that as long as we stay focused on Him, as long as we stay laser-focused on what it is that He's calling us to do, and we don't try to make it about a person. We don't try to make it about us. And we make it about Christ. He's going to continue to bless us. But I also believe this strongly. 2022 has been an amazing year. God has poured out a double blessing on our church. But I believe 2023 is going to be stronger. I truly believe that. I believe that. But I heard a saying one time. There was a man that came and spoke. And he said, you can't survive on yesterday's breakfast. And I want to say this, we, we can't, you know, we could, we could decide to just float into 2023, say, oh, we had a good year last year. Let's just, let's just kick back and relax. No, I don't believe that's what God's calling us to do at all. No, I believe that God has called us to be in Greenbrier, Arkansas, in this community, in this place, to reach the sick, to reach the lost, and to show people the love of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what we're going to do. We're going to fight harder for the people of this community than the enemy is. But it's going to take all of us. Amen? You guys with me this morning? I know this. If it's spiritually strong, it's going to be strong. But as we look ahead to 2023, as we prepare to finish this year strong and, and position ourselves for what it is that God has for us next year, there are a few things that we must do in preparation. And, and the first thing we have to do is, is don't fear the future. Now, I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that there's going to be a lot of people peddling fear in this next season, right? I mean, come on. You know, the, the, the interest rates have gone through the roof. The country's fallen through the cracks. There's not going to be any hostess cakes on the shelves because of some shortage in some country or something. Y'all remember the shortage of Twinkies? I mean, I'm serious. I'm not joking. They're, like two years ago, they said there wasn't going to be any Twinkies. Y'all remember that? Am I just the only one? I got depressed for two days because there wasn't going to be any Twinkies, and I don't even eat Twinkies. Now, I look like I eat Twinkies, but... <laughs> They're still Twinkies. Now, I don't know if those are the same Twinkies that have been on there the last two years or not. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think those things ever go bad. But there are plenty of things in life for us to focus on when it comes to fear. There's plenty of things, and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But you can't go into this next season or into this next year full of fear of the future or what could happen. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? No, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. There are so many fears in this world. Arachnophobia, hydrophobia, fear of water, claustrophobia, fear of small spaces, getting stuck in an elevator. You know, about a year ago, I shared this with you guys. Shelly and I made a decision to get out of town for a night. Y'all remember that? We get to the hotel. We're so excited. We get in the elevator. We start up, and we get stuck on the 13th floor. Did y'all know there's not a 13th floor in the elevator? I had no idea. The elevator stops. We sit there long enough. Nobody answers, so I pry the door open. I think there's a picture. We got the picture? Yeah, look on that. We made some friends, too. 12, 14, 13, and somebody wrote boo. I didn't write that. I didn't write that. Fire department showed up about, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour into it. We had a choice at this moment to either just flip out, be scared, or have fun. Man, we were dancing in the elevator. We were laughing and cutting up. These people thought we had lost our... There's, a, there's another picture. Pull that next picture up. Now, I want you to look very close. <laughs> they thought we were crazy. I want you to look at the expression on the manager's face and then on the fireman in the hat. He's like, I don't know what to think about these people. They're crazy. <laughs> They're crazy. The one on the left, though, I'm pretty sure he was a Cajun. He knew exactly what was going on. Listen, there's plenty of things for you to focus on when it comes to fear. You can find something to be afraid of. You can even find something that takes 100% of your focus away from everything that God is doing right now. You can be in a season of a double blessing in your life. You can be in a season where God's got his hand upon you and your family and get so focused on what might happen that you miss every bit of it. That's what the enemy wants to happen. He wants you to miss out on the blessings that you have right here. I want you to go in to this next season and this next year with even if faith, not what if fear. I spoke a message on that about two or three years ago, and a man went and got a tattoo on his arm. Even if faith, what if fear? I want you to tattoo that on your heart this morning. Even if we go into this, and even if things don't work out the way that I think that they should or the way that I want them to, or 
What if, man, what if my kids, what if, what if they're not successful in life? What if they end up in prison? What if they keep acting like they're acting and I end up in prison? There's plenty of things for us to fear. There's plenty of things for us to focus on and to worry about. I want to read this over you right now. It comes from Psalm 112, 6 through 8. It says, surely the righteous. Everybody say, surely. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Listen, I know that some of you right now, you're in a season where it doesn't feel like God's poured out a double blessing on you. It seems like every time you take a step, it's like you're just getting pounded every time. Listen to me. God has got you. God's got a plan for you. And you've got a purpose. But to have this spirit of faith expectancy, the next thing you're going to have to do is, is don't be frustrated about the future. It's easy to get frustrated because you're not where you want to be. Ecclesiastes 2, 18 through 20, we see this frustration coming out in Solomon. He says, I hated all the things I had told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish? Who knows? If they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun, this too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. What's going on here? Solomon's in a life crisis. Who's he going to give his work to? Who's going to carry on what he's been doing? He's frustrated because he doesn't know how to dream about legacy at this point. Let me ask you this. If you're frustrated this morning, what is the root cause of it? What is the root of your frustration as you get ready to move into this next season? Is it your job? Is it just not as fulfilling as you hoped it would be? You know, we had our Better Man uh, men's group this past Thursday, and we, we talked about the workplace. And I just want to say this. I am so proud of our men here. We've had this semester, we've had the largest men's life group consistently throughout the semester that are meeting and are growing spiritually and relationally. And they're trying to figure out how to be better men. And we've always got to be working on that. But as a man, we're called to be the spiritual leaders in our home. But I'm going to tell you this too. If we spend 60% of our time, statistically, we spend 60 to 60, 60 to 65% of our time in the workplace, 30 to 35% of our time at home, where do we have the opportunity to make the biggest impact for the kingdom? It's in the workplace, right? Well, we need to be spiritual leaders there as well. We need to allow people to see us and to see Jesus through us, the way we respond. But if we go into the workplace full of doom and gloom, oh, they're going to shut this place down. Oh, go eat no Twinkies. I mean, you can go into it, right? I want you to go into it expecting God to show up, expecting him to do something big. When we have an issue, and it happens. I don't know if you guys know this or not. But all these lights and all this screen, all this stuff, it's all computerized. And anybody ever had a hard time opening their computer? Sometimes things don't work the way you want them to. 
But our team knows this. If something doesn't work, get ready because God's about to show up. And he does every time. He hasn't let us down yet. And I'm going to tell you something else. He won't let you down either. It may be that you're in a season of mourning. It's easy to get frustrated. You know, sometimes it's like you're in a season of mourning. And maybe it's because we're, we're more sensitive to it. But it's like you're mourning a loss or you're mourning something that's going on. And then everybody you talk to is celebrating the one thing that you're mourning. You ever notice that? I mean, I remember that with my dad when he passed away. It seemed like everybody I talked to was celebrating an event that had just happened with their dad. I'm like, come on, man. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get focused on what's coming or what happened or what didn't happen and what I didn't get. And God's saying, I got you. I got you. Don't get so focused on the fear of the future and so frustrated about the future that, that you lose out on the the moments of blessing that he has for you. Listen, life is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some difficult seasons. I mean, I got some warriors in this room that's been through some seasons, man. But God's never left you. And he's not going to leave you here today. Are you guys with me today? Let me tell you where I found my peace, though. I found it in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, everybody say all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I may not understand what I'm going through right now. I may not be able to comprehend why I'm going through it right now. I may not know the answers to why this is happening right now until I'm face to face with the Lord one day. But I know I serve a God that's bigger than the storms that I'm walking through. And while I'm on this earth, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar, worshiping in the wake and worshiping in the storm. Proverbs 19:21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Number three, don't be fatalistic about the future. And what I mean about this is it's that apathetic attitude you get when you start feeling like, what is the point? Like, why am I even doing this? Like, why am I even trying? Why am I even coming to church? Why am I even in a life group? Why am I even trying with you? It's an apathetic attitude. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. Solomon was there. Remember when he was meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. King David, that's when he got in trouble. When he got that fatalistic attitude, it's when he fell into adultery. It's when he fell into sin. It's when you got to be careful. James teaches us that your prayers, though, they make a difference. So the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. They matter. They break through the things that we can't see. I want 2023, I want this to be a house of prayer. I want it to be a place that you come in early and you get on your face before the Lord and you seek his direction for your life. I have so many conversations with people that all they can see is the negative. All they can see is the pain and the hurt. And there is, there is times to mourn. 
And there is a lot of things to be frustrated about in life. And there's a lot of things that fear can come in and try to take over and consume you. But I'm going to tell you something else. God has a double blessing he wants to pour out upon you. So how do we do that? How do we shift towards faith? How do we, how do we shift towards it? The thing that you, first thing you have to do is you have to refocus on your mission. When you're so focused on what you can't do and where you can't go, what you can't get to, it's time to refocus on your mission. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, he gave it to us, the ministry of reconciliation. Pastor Adam spoke on this. Have you ever heard someone say that I'm just a, I'm just a sinner who's been forgiven? You ever heard that? And I know why they say that. I hear that a lot. I'm just an old sinner that's been forgiven. And, and when you first hear it, you, you just think there's, you know, you, you think there's humility attached to it, right? But you're not just an old sinner that's been forgiven. No, you're a new creation in Christ. All things are made new. The old is gone. The new is here. When you, when you experience that relationship with Jesus and you realize that the old, listen to me. If I, if I displayed all of my sin on this screen right here from my past, all of the mistakes that I'd made on this screen, and I walked up here just like this, every one of you would leave. Every one of you. It's sin in my past. I've made mistakes just like all of you. We all have. But it's because of the sacrifice that Jesus made that we're made new. That we're a new creation. Made in his image, not our own. Not us. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. <clears throat> What's our mission? Our mission is a church. And when I say church, is us. Our mission as a church is so that our friends and our family and the people that we know can become fully devoted followers of Christ. Fully devoted Disciples. Disciples. Grow together to follow Jesus, to serve one another, to live on a mission. But I'm going to tell you what happens a lot of times. We try to make that first step impossible for people. We put Jesus at the top, and then we make this look like it's impossible. Like you want people to go from here to here. You didn't get there by going from here to there. Acts 15, 5 through 11 says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. 
the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Imagine if Peter was standing here this morning. I want you to hear it as if he is. He says, brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did for us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as you are. I'm going to tell you what a religious spirit does. For someone that hasn't found a personal relationship with Christ, a religious spirit looks just like this to them. It looks impossible. When we walk around like we've got it all figured out and we're better than the next person, This relationship with the Lord looks like this. It looks like you've just chopped off the first few steps to be able to get to Jesus. Don't sit in that seat. Say, well, if old Jerry or John or Jake or Joseph or if they'd just get their stuff together, we'd invite them to church. I don't want them coming in smelling like a brewery. I want this place to smell like a bar on Sunday mornings. And I'm serious. I want you to have to hold on to your purse because you're afraid somebody's fixing to steal it when they walk out the door. I'm serious. If we're going to reach this community, we got to quit. We got to quit putting all the red tape up. This isn't this isn't impossible. This is, this is just something that we've tried to put up. It's just religion. It's religion that we've put in the way. You didn't get here from here. You took the first step. You know what the first step is? The first step is making a decision that I'm going I'm to confess my sins to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. That's the first step. You had to take that first step. You didn't box jump up there. You have to take that first step. But we need to uh, let people know in this community that that first step at New Life Church is accessible to them. If we're going to reach this community, if we're going to plunder hell, we got to let people know that that first step, it's possible. It's not impossible. I'm going to read you a quote. It's from Hudson Taylor. This is so good. It says, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult, and then it is done. There was a time in your life when you thought whatever you were facing was impossible. 
that there's no way you're going to get through it. There's no way your marriage is going to survive. There's no way that you're going to be able to beat this disease. There's no way. There's no way that you'll be able to overcome the things that you've done. There's no way that, there's no way I'm going to get past my mistakes and my sin. You're right. But with the help of Jesus, you can. You want to know who I want you to invite to Candlelight? <clears throat> There are people in this community they just want to be invited, man. You're here because somebody invited you to be here. You're here because somebody welcomed you in the door. I have family. I just wanted to take that first step, man. Just that first step. But I don't want to be a church that makes that first step look impossible. It may look impossible when they walk in the doors. But I want them to get here. And I want them to take that first step. But I'm going to tell you what. It goes from impossible. It goes to difficult, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Addiction's difficult. Restoring that marriage that adultery occurred in is difficult. Restoring your finances that you've overspent, you've overextended, is difficult. But I'm going to tell you what. When you go from right here to right here, it's no longer impossible. But if you'll get connected if you'll get in a life group, if you'll surround yourself by godly people that will challenge you, encourage you, empower you, lift you up, if you'll get in the word of God and you'll grow in your relationship with him, if you'll begin to understand the promises that he gives us and stop trying to do it on your own, quit focusing all the negative and everything that you don't have and everything that you can't get, then all of a sudden it goes from impossible to difficult and then it's done. There was a time in my life I thought it was impossible. But I had a church that loved me in the midst of that. And I didn't get to there in one step. I'm going to tell you something else. God has anointed each and every one of you uniquely. He didn't anoint you the way that he anointed me. And your anointing today may be different tomorrow. But he's anointed you, he's prepared you, and he has called you for a purpose. We're going to teach on anointing as the weeks come and the months come ahead. I want you to understand that anointing. But what you've got to do is you've got to be able to identify what that anointing is upon yourself. Some of you have been anointed to welcome people to the front door. You're anointed for that. Some of you have been anointed to work with kids. He anointed you for that. Some of you have been anointed in the workplace. 
You didn't get there on your own. You didn't get there by doing some yoga and getting stretched out really good and skipping two or three steps. The first step was made available. Can we be a church that makes that step available to those that we come in contact with? Can we take the momentum that God has given us in 2022 and carry that into 2023 and be a church that outgives, that outloves, that outpastors, that outopens our arms? Now listen, there's some offended people walking around in this world and you can't change that. But the Holy Spirit can. It's time for us to be a light in a dark world. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.